0: Welcome to Steve's Cottage with Steve Horner. Steve Horner, a former radio talk show host, helps spotlight the source of today's social chaos while offering practical solutions to the problems negatively affecting you and your family. And now, here's Steve. Hey, come on in. You want to see the Nazi again, huh? Oh, you come to the cottage to see the Nazi. Well, welcome. Come on in. Achtung, baby! It's your old buddy Steve here again at Steve's Cottage, and we're going to be talking Nazis. Who's the Nazi? Part two, we're getting a little tired of being called the Nazi, aren't we, huh? Getting called the Nazi by the liberals just because you don't agree with their idiotic agendas, so then you become the Nazi. And I'm going to put those pieces together for you, and I'm going to show you how that puzzle fits. Uh, but first, I've got a little cleanup time here for you. Oh, I want to show you the, uh, the New York uh, hat. Isn't this Cool. New York. My friend Gene was a uh a, a cool gal that I dated uh, through much of the 90s. I was doing my single parenting with my two boys, and she was doing her single parenting with her two cute little girls, and they were all about the same age, and we would do a lot of events together, and then uh, when it was grown-up time, I'd I'd meet Jean at one of our favorite pubs downtown Minneapolis, which was equidistant between where I lived in a southern suburb uh, from where she lived in a northern suburb, and uh, so it was fun. She was in New York to do some business with uh, the uh, medical industry and she was a uh, she was a, a, a nurse of uh, high uh, esteem and uh, and uh, she uh, bought this uh, cool hat for me and I thought well it's a Yankees hat but no it's not it just uh, it's a n- New York City and uh, so when I wear this around conservative st. George I get some heat because um, because uh, they don't like the uh, liberalism of uh, New York. Now, when you talk about who's the Nazi, what do you think Donald Trump's going to say about these attorney generals in New York City? You know, this, uh, this uh, um, I, James, what's her name? James, and then there's that uh, uh, Isaac Bragg Is that his name? Uh, A couple of uh, real cunts and uh, pussy whips. And um, and um, gee, I thought I would have I I, I thought I I, I didn't need to write those names down, but they have escaped me. And uh, so they come after Trump. And here's a guy who's impeccably dressed, you see. But yet he's known as the Nazi by these liberals. And last week I was doing that uh, crazy uh, nylon stocking wig, uh, uh, reminiscent of my uh, episode with the uh, Three Stooges with my two boys back in Apple Valley, Minnesota, and, uh, and, and, and a casual shirt. And today I'm dressed casually again, just to show you that uh, it's, not the, it, it's not the outfit you wear. It's what you believe and what you think and your morals and your ethics is what bothers the liberals. And so you can be a Nazi by being a farmhand or by being a guy like Trump who is a billionaire. It's all a matter of what you say, what you think, where your morals and ethics are. Now, in cleanup time, I was talking about the, uh, the Anheuser-Busch beer last week, the, uh, the uh, Alphabet People beer now, who's lost $7 billion in net worth for cozying up to the Alphabet People. Bad marketing move on their part, but I'm happy about it. But I've taken the Bush Light out of the out of Steve's cottage now and replaced it with Keystone Light. Now that is an Adolf Kors beer. Last week we were talking about Adolf Hitler and the book Mein Kampf, 700 pages of whoopee and. Then I'm getting into the Adolf Kors beer, and so I'm thinking, Adolf, the name Adolf is certainly becoming quickly a part of my vernacular. But they are spelled differently. Adolf Hitler is A-D-O-L-F, and Adolf Kors is A-D-O-L-P-H. And uh, he came to the country from Germany with his last name spelled Kors, K-O-R-S. If you're a Coors drinker, you've you've always got people telling you it's Coors. You see, you got to get the you got to get the uh, long you got to get the two O's in, and uh, and and if you mispronounce it by going Coors, well then you're wrong and you're going to be corrected. But that's initially the way he, uh, he 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 pronounced it. And then in this book, Mein Kampf, that's German for my struggle. Now, this is 700 pages of whoopee, okay? Hitler wrote this in 1933, 1923, 10 years before he became chancellor and dictator. He was tossed into a prison to serve five years, ended up doing one. That's when he wrote this book with a pencil and a tablet. No research, no library, no Google. Just what he remembered up here fascinating now i bought my copy of mein kampf in the year 2000 simply out of curiosity everybody's talking about oh how bad these nazis were how bad hitler is oh boy i'll tell you we just got to never have that happen to us again and you know many people fell in line with it of course you know who wants to kill six million jews so uh After I did that show last week, I spoke to my friend John. I've mentioned uh, my good buddy on the air here before. John said that he had a copy of Mein Kampf. Now, and and about the same year I did, in about our sophomore or junior year in high school, which would have been 62, 1963. And I never knew this, but we were hanging out together. But uh, his curiosity got him too. Now, this book, Mein Kampf, or My Struggle, this is all black, with the Mein Kampf in red and then Adolf Hitler in white and translated by Ralph Mannheim. John's copy, uh, as he recalls, had a swastika on it. And I remember that there, are, there were different versions of it, but the, uh, you, you know, the same message but different cover versions. And uh, they went on to sell tens, literally tens of millions, tens of millions of copies around the world. Uh, John's father found this in his bedroom, not only ripped it up, but shredded it, and then came back and shredded it again, and then tossed the bag out and burned it. Didn't want any of this filth, any of this disastrous talk around the house at all, and really railed on John. And they're both big, big, big men. Probably could have turned into fisticuffs. Probably a good thing that it didn't. But that's how people reacted to Mein Kampf and Hitler in those days, you see. Because face it, it was only 18 years after the end of World War II when Hitler killed himself in the bunker with his sweetheart. Well, then I told John I reflected uh, about the same time uh, going out with this Jewish gal from St. Louis Park, which is an adjacent uh, community next to Minneapolis. And uh, a lot of Jewish people reside there. The Cohn brothers who do the, you know, did the Fargo and all these other goofy shows. There are a couple of Jewish, uh, J- Jewish men. And uh, they're from St. Louis Park. And uh, Janet was uh, from St. Louis Park with her family. She went to high school. And, uh, she and I met each other when I was working at D- uh, Bernie's Dell, a Jewish delicatessen right along the, uh, main strip there, just off of Lake Calhoun, a lot of lakes in Minneapolis. And, uh, and uh, I was busboy and a dishwasher and, uh, just kind of an all around do it, uh, call Steve and he'll get it done type of guy. And, uh, and uh, she and her family would come in now and then. And I, I don't remember exactly how we met, but she, you know, she and I flirted with each other and obviously exchanged phone numbers. And I had this uh, cool '56 Ford. 292, police interceptor, you know, whatever the hell that means. But it was a two-door hardtop, and it was a cool car, big four-barrel engine, and uh, four-stick on the floor. There was a conversion kit, you see. And uh, it was fun to drive. And so I picked Janet up in this thing, you see. And we'd go for a spin, maybe at a drive-in movie or a drive-in restaurant or park down by the lake uh, after sunset and neck, you know. Well, she... uh, she saw my steering wheel knob one time when we were parked at Porky's, which was kind of like the American graffiti joint, the quintessential drive-in, you know, the chicks on the roller skates and the whole thing. And uh, I had, uh, you know, these knobs that you use to steer. And they were kind of fashionable back then. And inside, you could put something like, you know, a nudie or some person and, or animal or whatever, you know. And I cut out a picture of Adolf Hitler from one of my dad's old research uh, volumes. It was an encyclopedia, but it was an old catalog, you know, uh, set of uh, research information books. And I cut out a little picture of uh, Adolf Hitler, not to show my uh, admiration for this guy, because, like I say, didn't know much about him. I had since interviewed my dad, and I said, "Well, what'd you think of Hitler?" You know, that's when they were in their eighties, mom and dad. Well, I don't know. We didn't think much of him. We just kind of thought he was a jerk, and that was it. Now, this is my dad, who's uh, you know a pioneer in radio and TV, you know, the first man uh, in uh, in Minnesota's uh, um, you know all-star lineup of who's who in radio and TV, which, by the way, is also in St. Louis Park. So my dad was no dummy, but he just said, hey, you know, Fielder, I, we just thought of him as a jerk, you see. So I wasn't doing this as an admiration type of thing. And, of course, Anne Frank and the whole story there had, hadn't had a really blown in the Holocaust Museum, hadn't opened up yet. And, you know, I mean, the, the conversation wasn't as crazy as it is today, or at least hasn't had, that has been in the last 20 years. You know, we just had the Holocaust Memorial Day uh, week, you know, this Monday and Tuesday, which I'll get to in a moment. So anyhow, Janet was over here necking with me when we were in the parking, in the, uh, in the uh, drive-in. And uh, she says, who in the hell do you have on your steering wheel? Adolf Hitler! Uh, take me home! So you know, she had been told by her Jewish family, you know, everything they knew and thought of Adolf Hitler, and of course the number one villain in the world, and uh, that's what was going on in the minds of people, uh, you know, 18 years after the end of uh, World War II, and um, and you know, in future years, you know, you're you're, you're thinking. Uh, why was Hitler infuriated with the Jews? Well, it, it, it turns out to be liberalism. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't racism. It turns out to be liberalism. It was a behavior type of thing. And uh, all this came back to mind uh, last week when I was doing the show about who's the Nazis. And then this Holocaust Remembrance Day comes up. And... Um, and, uh, and, 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 and and both, you know, John's father and, and, and Janet and her parents, you know, they all sidestepped the reason of, you know the, you know, the question of what did the Jews allegedly do to raise such ire of the German people and millions of people around the world, including a lot of American newspapers who don't want anything to do with that now? but they sided with the anti-Semitism conversation of that era. Nobody wanted, wanted the Jews in their country because they were tied to Karl Marx, the founder of uh, modern-day communism, who wrote the, the Communist Manifesto, kicked out of 12 countries, finally allowed back into Germany. You know, but, the, but, but that is the underlying reason, and whether they know or not, Maybe they don't these days. So many people have been dumbed down. But, you know, the the parallel question would be, okay, so what did the Jews do to cause so much anger? It's like asking, well, what did Hitler do to cause America to go to war against him? Well, that's easy to explain. Hitler mistakenly aligned himself with Italy and Japan. Japan had its own argument with the United States, bombed Pearl Harbor, and so that brought Germany into the war, and Roosevelt said, let's go get them. So they went after Italy, Germany, and, you know, why? Because you're looking at world dominance. We don't want to be puppets to Adolf Hitler. And that's, that was his goal and desire. So that's easy to understand why you'd go to war against him. Enemy. What did the Jews do to deserve such treatment? I asked Rebecca Frankel this in a text in an email. She wrote this column I'd been quoting a couple of uh, weeks ago about the uh, the Smithsonian article about the uh, P- the Germans, I mean the Jews who came back to Germany to repatriate after World War II and found nothing but anger. anger. Their neighbors didn't like them. They didn't their their homes were gone. They didn't want ha- they 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 couldn't find any love in their community so when they hit the road and tried to and and many of them made it into what was then known as israel the former british palestine even the british people didn't want anything to do with them because it was their liberalism and so rebecca Frankel, they don't want to they don't want to answer that because liberalism is can be understood and a lot of people know that they don't want anything to do with it. And so that takes the glimmer off of the germ, off of the Jewish Holocaust, which I believe a lot of people play, a lot of Jews play on the sympathy of the Holocaust to find favor, like Chuck Schumer. Talk to any Jew for more than 10 minutes, and before, after, before 10 minutes, you're going to find out, this person's going to tell you, well, I'm I, I'm a Jew, and well, who the hell cares? <laughs> you know, but they'll use it as a sympathy card. This Brett Clarkson of the Las Vegas Review Journal wrote a fawning story on Holocaust Remembrance Day. I asked him the same question. He didn't know. I don't know, Steve. I don't know why six million Jews were burned to death. So he gave me the information about the Israeli-American Council with chapters, Uh, there's a national office, no answer, Arizona chapter, left message, New York, left message, Washington D.C., left message, Las Vegas, no answer, a a woman named Sarah, you know, a standard Jewish name, Los Angeles, oh yeah, Mr. Horner, yeah, how are you, real good, no, I do know history, really, so Sarah, you're a history buff, yes, I I can answer your question. Well, why were these Jews, what you know? What, what did they do to raise the ire? Well, Mr. Horner, I don't like your tone. What do you mean? I don't like your tone of voice. You want me to go a little higher? Oh, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, a little lower. Mr. Horner, are you looking to interview somebody? Well, you said you uh, knew history there, Sarah, but apparently you don't like my tone. What you really don't like is answering my question about uh, why these people were burned Now what does liberalism involve what are they dodging <laughs> you see this is the this is the question and on my way over here, I heard Sean Hannity. I like to listen to Sean when I'm going to and fro. I don't, I don't listen to him at home, but when I'm going to the library and or I'm going, or, or I'm coming down here to see Sean here at the college where I do my show, I know it's, you think it's Steve's cottage, but it really is up here. But I do it over here at uh, Utah Tech at the college in this beautiful studio with all this beautiful, high-tech equipment. And Sean is my engineer, my promoter, my, uh, my marketer, my uh, all-around good guy, and, uh, and, and I appreciate doing business with him. So, when I'm listening to Sean Hannity, he's talking about, you know, what is liberalism? I said, well, that's a coincidence, because I'm going to answer that question today. What does liberalism involve? What, do the Jews, what are the Jews hiding from on this? Well, it involves everything from A to Z. You see, like I'm a conservative, Donald Trump is a conservative, they want to hit us with, You're a Nazi! You're a Nazi! See, it's more of that verbal artillery, which is supposed to shut you up and keep you in a corner and don't mention anything of your agenda because it scares the hell out of these people. Why? I don't know. Because liberalism always comes back to bite them in the ass. It always is destructive. So I don't know what they're afraid of. I guess that's how dumbed-down society has become. So what does it involve? Everything that's wrong, from A to Z, abortion to Zionism. Everything like uh, abortion, including homosexuality, illegal drugs, quickie divorce, single parenting, the welfare state, prostitution, pornography, Hollywood, usury. You get the message. It's a lifestyle based on short-term comfort and convenience. Immorality. And it always brings on anger and division and revenge. Feelings of betrayal. That's liberalism. It wasn't the race of the Jewish people that brought him down it was their incessant liberal behavior and political agenda and today we again have a Jew press something that Hitler had mentioned it's the Jew press he wrote in Mein Kampf that keeps tearing him down and then as I read to you last week it's the editor here or or the translator the book originally written in German of course and so here's the translator, Ralph Mannheim, a Jewish guy. But it was the Jew press that Hitler wrote about that engineered and promoted and perpetuated the liberal agenda. And that's why they didn't like Hitler. And those of us uh, against the liberalism, we get the same pushback that Hitler received. You see? I mean, I mean, I, I mean. Look at what the uh, enemies of Steve Horner wrote on Amazon, and they only allowed people that were angry at me. That's why I'm not on Amazon anymore. You go to SteveHornerBooks.com and buy my book off of PayPal, and we're getting some new testimonials up there that are quite. Uh, Uh, not uh, quite uh, attractive and flavorful and and uh, and very complimentary but here's here's one you know here's Larry Haig life is so much easier when you only see things from your narrow perspective being empathetic requires strength and kindness being a racist and misogynist requires zero personal reflection or desire to grow beyond your limited world perspective See. That's what Amazon allowed on my website. Here's another one from some dickhead uh, named Womp Womp. He's on his period. Where do I start? Mr. Horner has a minimal grasp of the English language, let alone women. Here's one from Donna Kuster. uh, Reviewed in the United States. Only thing worse than this person is his writing, or what he passes off as his writing. Here's one from T. Hall. Racist, Racist. Reviewed in the United States. Dumpster writing. Garbage author. Here's one from Darren S. Chicken shit. Didn't even have the guts to mention his last name. Uh, the Lord will judge this man harshly for how he treats the rest of God's... Disgusting racist. But yet, but yet, what were... What, but the reality of what people who objectively read my stuff say about Steve Horner. Steve Horner, thank you very much for the gift of your book. My gratitude is my prayer for you and your sons. Teach them to pray for a family that prays together, stays together in God's love. May your book help many parents deepen their understanding of the fact that it is in giving that we receive, in loving that we are loved. Who else has a testimonial from one of God's true, ordained, canonized saints, Mother Teresa. I did send her a book of my single parenting to let her know what single parenting involves in the United States, and I got a letter from her. Here's another guy here. Remarkably written book, Horner Makes Mincemeat, out of the anti-spanking gang. This is PBS's Hertz on education. Your experience will be helpful to other single parents. You are a brave man, Steve. Diana Baumrind, Ph.D. at University of California at Berkeley. Much useful, much useful advice. Horner's book offers a refreshingly candid look at the joys and difficulties of single parenting. That's William Hogan, independent publisher. This is one from Maxine Hakami, Vent Magazine. Enlightening reads, Steve. And then it says, in some ways, Horner's book goes against the grain of modern thought. But then, much of what is good and right would fit into that category as well. And that's David Pepper, David, da- David Davenport president of Pepperdine University. So you see, ladies and gentlemen, when the uh, Jew press wants to come at you and bash you, they will relentlessly. They'll make you look bad. They have nothing good to say about you. But when you look objectively at these people, and that's up to you to be smart and find out what is objective about these people and uh, go and read the information like I did with Mein Kampf, get a feel for these issues on your own own mind, on your own time, and get an objective look. Well, I'm out of time. So I'm going to go and be objective about a lot of great interesting things in america and in my life and and i wish you could join me but i'll share it with you again next week right here at steve's cottage so in the meantime you come back to visit me again and take thanks real for good joining care us visit steve's cottage again with steve horner